0: Stephen A. Begani retired as a Chief Petty Officer in the U.S. Navy on the 30th of June 2017. He had honorably served for 24 years, 7 months, and 22 days. He had been awarded the National Defense Service Medal twice, Sea Service Deployment Ribbon 15 times, Armed Forces Expeditionary Medal 6 times, NATO Medal twice, and multiple awards of the Southwest Asia Service Medal, Meritorious Unit Commendation, Navy Unit Commendation, Navy E-Ribbon, the E means excellence, Kosovo Ribbon, Terrorism uh, Service Medal. I'd like to stop here. This reminds me of the court-martial of Captain Kirk where his lawyer said he didn't want to slow the proceedings down by naming all the medals and awards. So I'll just say, and many, many more ribbons, medals, and commendations. Chief Bagani was highly decorated and respected when he retired. He remained in the area of his final duty station, Marine Corps Air Station Iwakuni, Japan, and found employment with a contractor performing aircraft maintenance work for the U.S. military. That was basically the same job he had in the U.S. Navy. Just my personal take here, when you retire after 20 or 30 years of doing something, quit. Don't go back. I can't tell you how many cops, soldiers, and prison guards I've heard of who did the same thing as Chief Begani did, and got into some kind of trouble and blew it all. I retired from a maximum security prison job. I have not, nor will I ever, accept a job in the area of law enforcement in any capacity. If I'd wanted to stay, I would have, and added to my retirement. Friends, take your pension and get out of Dodge before it's too late. Get while the getting's good. Enough said. As soon as he retired, the chief got himself a computer and started hanging out in chat rooms. One fine day, he met Mandy, a 15-year-old, who lived in the same air base that he worked at in Japan. The chat got very sexual very quickly, and the 15-year-old child gave him her address, our decorated chief, who retired just over a month now, jumps in his car and drives over to Mandy's house. As soon as he arrived, he fell into the arms of the Navy Criminal Investigative Service. You know, the guys on TV. And none of them were NCIS LA or any of them other TV stars. They're the real ones, the ones with guns and handcuffs. Having an explicit sex talk with a child online and enticing them to meeting you for the purpose of having sex is a pretty big deal crime. Thank God the NCIS helps keep these predators off our streets. It was the 5th of August 2017 and a retired chief was in big trouble. He was a civilian about five weeks now. He got one retirement check and now he was looking at a prison sentence for being a child molester. I'd like to take a little side trip here. I worked uh, almost as long as the chief did in the Navy in a supermax federal prison. I've heard my orderly tell another prisoner that if he was a child molester, he would stab him until he was too tired to stab him anymore. People who hurt children are usually put in protective custody to save their lives. They are popular with the aggressive homosexuals. They have no friends in prison. I am personally acquainted with one who got out of prison and the experience and consequences were so burdensome that he hanged himself within a few weeks of being released. When the chief retired, he signed a document that transferred him to the fleet reserve. Members who serve at least 20 years but less than 30 years must transfer to the fleet reserve if they wish to receive retirement pay. No transfer, no pay is how it works. That meant that for the rest of his life, he was subject to recall to active duty. He was also subject to the Uniform Code of Military Justice for life. As a member of the Fleet Reserve, Stephen was subject to the UCMJ jurisdiction in accordance with Article 2. Charges were preferred against Stephen, and he waived his right to an Article 32 preliminary hearing. Charges were then referred to a general court-martial. Stephen and the convening authority reached a pretrial agreement in which Stephen agreed to waive his right to trial by members and plead guilty. At trial, Stephen pleaded guilty to, and was found guilty of, one specification of attempted sexual assault of a child and two specifications of attempted sexual abuse of a child in violation of Articles 80 and 120B of the Uniform Code of Military Justice. He raised no objections at trial other than one arguing that a punitive discharge is not an authorized punishment for a retired service member, which was denied. Stephen was given 18 months in the brig and a bad conduct discharge. That means bye-bye retirement pay, no veteran's benefits, he has to register as a sex offender. He destroyed 24 years of exemplary service in a single day. Here's where the law gets all kinds of crazy complicated. If you're really interested, I'll include the appeal audio recording as a bonus episode to this one. There are two appeals, which I'll talk about in just a few minutes. On appeal, Stephen argued that the UCMJ is jurisdictional scheme, whereby he, as a retired regular component member, is subject to the UCMJ, while a retired Navy Reserve member is not even for committing the exact same crime, violates the Fifth Amendment Due Process Clause Guarantee of Equal Protection of the Laws. Stevens said that this unequal jurisdictional scheme unconstitutionally deprived him of his right to a jury by his peers. The right to a grand jury and the right to free speech when similarly situated reserve retiree would enjoy these rights. You see, martial law has been described as an abbreviated legal system. The accused gets all the same rights, but they are severely limited. That is why martial law is so feared. If I would have realized the position I had put myself in legally by joining the Army of the Coast Guard, I never would have done it. One example is a summary court-martial where an officer sitting alone is your judge, defense lawyer, and prosecutor. How many people would like to stand in that court? A general court-martial like Stephen found himself in had most rights, abbreviated as it is, and the ability to give out the most severe punishments. The appellate court agreed with Stephen and ruled that his prosecution in military court was unconstitutional. Congress had determined that some, but not all, military retirees should remain subject to the UCMJ while they are retired. Retirees from a regular, i.e. active component, which in the Navy includes those in the fleet reserve, are subject to the UCMJ jurisdiction at all times and in all places for as long as they shall live. Retirees from a reserve component that are are only subject to the UCMJ while receiving hospitalization from an armed service. The question is whether this disparate treatment offends the due process clause of the Fifth Amendment. By applying strict scrutiny to the treatment of these similarly situated groups, the court determined that UCMJ jurisdiction over retirees is not narrowly tailored to accomplish the goal of good order and discipline in the armed forces. Accordingly, the sections of the UCMJ subjecting regular component retirees to the UCMJ jurisdiction is unconstitutional. Stephen was free. He'd gotten away with it and no punishment. But wait, the military never gives up and nothing is ever that simple. The court, of its own accord, decided to look at the case again. This time, they found that the commander, U.S. Naval Forces Japan, sought approval from the Secretary of the Navy to prosecute Stephen at a court-martial, as opposed to seeking prosecution in U.S. District Court under military extra territorial jurisdiction act or meja because stephen was still subject to the ucmj and therefore ineligible for prosecution under meja the secretary authorized the commander to prosecute him by court-martial so the second look the court said congress has the sole authority under the constitution to make regulations for the land and naval forces Implicit in this authority is the power to determine who is subject to court-martial jurisdiction, whether by virtue of membership in the land and naval forces or other uh, circumstances that enhances the orderly operation of the military. Court-martial jurisdiction, based on the text of the Fifth Amendment, necessarily deprives an individual of the fundamental right to a grand jury. Court-martial jurisdiction also deprives an individual of the fundamental Sixth Amendment right to a jury trial. Congress created three different groups of military retirees, but currently subjects only two of them to continuous court-martial jurisdiction. Congress considers these groups different for purposes of overall operation of the land and naval forces, and we owe great deference to its statutory scheme in this area in recognizing Stephen is subject to the UCMJ as a member of the Fleet Reserve. In considering Stephen's equal protection argument, they found that members of the Fleet Reserve are not similarly situated with retirees from reserve components. Even if they were, Congress has the constitutional authority to subject one and not the other to court-martial jurisdiction. It is also unquestioned that soldiers, sailors, and other service members do not possess the same constitutional rights at court-martial that they would in a civilian court. This reflects an understanding of the necessity for military discipline, which George Washington once called the soul of the army, to be elevated over certain fundamental constitutional rights. And this is explicitly recognized in the Fifth Amendment grand jury right for those answering for, quote, a capital or otherwise infamous crime, except in cases arriving in the land or naval forces, The very nature of military service means an abrogation of certain rights accorded to other persons. The law as it stands today means that members of the U.S. Armed Forces that retire from active uh, component will be given a court-martial for any crime under the UCMJ, no matter where they are, or how long they live. They can be recalled to active duty at any age. This is important because they give up many civil rights when subjected to martial law. Just something for you to think about before joining the military. Thanks for listening, and if you wish to comment or write me, you can do so at militarydragnet at mail.com. And there'll be two bonus episodes along with this, Uh, the first one being the first appeal and then the second one being the second appeal. And as always, thanks for listening.